0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On podcast. Never forget, it it's Tuesday, February 11th, and we are back to break down really the only way I can explain it as another bad loss for the Vegas Golden Knights. It is our post game podcast. By the time you listen to this, it'll be uh, Wednesday, February 12th, but alas, we are doing this on the heels of the Golden Knights really crapping the bed after another game. But I do welcome you all back. To this year podcast, my name is Danny Webster, and I do appreciate you stopping by. Uh, we will be breaking down the Golden Knights' four nothing loss to the Minnesota Wild tonight in just a little bit, and we will touch on a few other things as well, including a look at some Pacific Division games happening this evening. But first, before we do, you know how we do it—the usual housekeeping items out of the way. Uh, welcome to those of you who are listening to this podcast for the very first time, and if you're wondering what this is. It is a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights here on the Locked On Podcast Network, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you consume your podcasting. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On VGK. You can follow me on Twitter at Danny Webster21, or if you do like sending emails, because emails are fun too. Uh you can do that at On Golden Knights at email. Com. Again, I appreciate all of you stopping by and those of you who are first time listeners, welcome to you. So where do we begin? Where or where do we begin for I, I mean, it really is the same uh, it really is the same story when this team faces the Minnesota wild. It really is absurd to think that they've played each other, what would this be the 11th time ever So they play three times a year. So 3, 6, okay, it's not the 11th. I can't do math. This is why I don't do math, guys. Uh, so you figure 3, 6, so this is the 8th time that they faced each other. I don't know how the hell I got 11. They've only won two games. They've only won two games total against this team combined. One of them has come in regulation. The other one is by way of a shootout, and if not for a late third period goal, it might as well have been another win for the Wild. No matter how you slice it, this team has found a way to have the Golden Knights number. Now, what's even more puzzling is that 24 hours prior, the Wild made the first big trade of trade deadline season, moving Jason Zucker, the Las Vegas native, to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a prospect, Alex Galchenyuk, and a future first-round pick, which could be this year, Unless the Penguins somehow miraculously just all die and don't make the playoffs this year, uh, that pick will be allocated to this season. So no matter how you slice it, the Golden Knights were coming in against a team that was integrating a new part into their roster and really fighting for their playoff lives. So you knew that Minnesota was going to be a desperate team. You know that Minnesota, even though they just moved one of their talented forwards away from the roster, they have found a way to really stick it to the Golden Knights in every single game that they played. And tonight was no different whether it be because Minnesota just outplayed them or because Vegas shot itself in the foot. And I'm leaning more toward the second option because there is no way in the world that you can allow three power play goals in the fashion that they did, especially when some of those penalties were just absolutely ridiculous. The third one, especially the third power play goal uh, that Minnesota scored coming off a Marshall roughing call where he just elbows Matt Zuccarello right in the throat. Like, you can't commit that penalty, man. You cannot. Commit that kind of a penalty in that situation when you're already down two, um or you're already down three at that point. That that third power play goal put them up for nothing. Put Minnesota for nothing, and it was just one of those nights where, you know, no matter how you chalk it up to, I know the VGK broadcast had mentioned that they were playing their third consecutive game in a different time zone. Uh, you know, maybe it was the fact that they've been on the road for so long and then they come back home and they come back for one off-road game before starting uh the five game murderers row homestand that starts on Thursday. But no matter how you slice it, the Golden Knights just flat out did not come prepared to play on Tuesday night. And it's not like Vegas didn't have their chances, they just one shot themselves in the foot Two ran into a really good Alex Stalock on this night who made 26 saves and got the victory for Minnesota, his third shutout of the season. But in the second period, especially when Vegas looked like it was starting to make its push, Stalock just made a couple of big plays to keep Vegas off the scoreboard. And I, and I think back to even in the first period when he stops that Riley Smith breakaway after Mc, Brady McNabb makes the play to keep the puck out of the goal line, and Smith comes back with a shorthanded attempt and he nearly scores on him. Stalock doesn't make that save. Maybe the game is uh, flipped a little bit differently. And then in the second period, William Carlson had a good backhand attempt where he walked in all alone and it made the save. And then uh, Stone found Pacioretty in front and Stalock stopped him twice. So you can't really say this was all on Vegas completely Uh, being outplayed. Stalock just played well, and Minnesota took advantage of the opportunities that was handed to them, and Vegas did not. Minnesota went 3-for-5 on the power play. Vegas went 0-for-4, and the power play has been absolutely horrid since Pete DeBoer became the coach. And again, maybe that's not on him, but to go 3-for-26 in your last nine games, that's not ideal. And what's even worse is, is that the penalty kill was at an 88% clip through the first six games under DeBoer. It has now gone down to 71% in the matter of four games. And they've given up six power play goals in the last three games. That is absurd, and that is ridiculous. The fact that you are committing these self-inflicted errors and at the same time not being able to clean up the mess in your own end, I think is is a huge problem. So you'd factor all that in, and now the Golden Knights come back home A place where, for some reason, they have not been winning a lot of games this year. They've been playing 500 hockey at T-Mobile Arena. And now they get to go into the gauntlet. They get to go Murderer's Row, the homestand that we've been discussing for the last number of days. Just how important this is for them when you have to go St. Louis, New York, Washington, uh, Tampa, and Florida. All five in a row. All five teams in a playoff spot. Uh, about two or three of those teams near the top of the conference. So it's not like this is going to be a walk in the park for the Golden Knights and now they have to worry about the uh the defending champion Blues coming into town even though the Blues have been struggling and um also before we go any further, they did not finish the game tonight against Anaheim due to the uh the scary and unfortunate unfortunate situation with jay bowmeister um very scary situation saw the film and did not look good uh we'll we'll talk more about the the blues game in a little bit but this is a crucial time for the golden knights this is a very important stretch of hockey where you're playing 10 of your next 12 at home and to make matters worse you have, you're trying to find some sort of momentum here. If you're Vegas, you're trying to look for any, any ounce of momentum that, or any ounce of positivity that you can look to and say, I know for a fact that if the Golden Knights went into this homestand, they can get at least five out of 10 points on this homestand. And honestly, I look at it and I have no idea how many points they can get right now. The way they've played in these last 85 minutes I don't know how many points they can muster the way that they've been playing right now. The way that they completely fell apart against Carolina, the way that they just simply gave up tonight against Minnesota. You factor all that in, and I'm I'm sitting here wondering, do I really think they can get a win against the likes of St. Louis? Do I really think they can get a win against Washington? Do I really think they can get a win against the Islanders? Do I really think they can beat Tampa? Like, I look at those four, especially Florida, maybe. But I look at those four and I'm like, I don't think this team can do it. At least right now, I don't think that they have the wherewithal to actually, you know, play their way back into contending status in the Pacific Division. And right now it's just it's not working. So now they're back under total five hundred. Um I believe last I checked, Edmonton was beating Chicago. We'll look at the scores later. Um Arizona only got a point in Toronto tonight, so uh that's that's, I guess, a huge, huge relief for the Golden Knights. But, that, that's again, I brought this up a couple weeks ago. This is the reality that the Golden Knights are in right now. They're going to have to be on standings watch every day between now and the end of the season because of what they've done, the coaching change that they made, and the situation that they find themselves in. And all of a sudden now, if they go from winning three out of four to losing you know, back-to-back games in the fashion that they did – How can anybody feel confident about where this team is going heading into this homestand? So, I don't know. A lot of questions need to be answered between now and Thursday when they take on the Blues at T-Mobile Arena. That's for sure. So I'm not sure if this should be labeled as good news or bad news. I'm still kind of weighing the options here. But I think Pete DeBoer put it best when he was asked about William Carlson tonight, saying that he was their best player. It is a problem if a guy who has not played in this system and has been sitting out for the last eight games, who has gone through the coaching change without even touching the ice and plays his first game under DeBoer for the first time, it is telling that he was the best player on the ice tonight and no one else responded in kind. That, I think, is a problem. Carlson returned to the ice. The broadcast said he played 1952. Um, The official stat the official box score says he played 1615. So I'm not sure who's right, who's wrong there. I'm going to take the official box scores word. Um, but I think he did play 1615, uh, in total, uh, tonight. So Carlson comes back, he starts on the third line and the third line, you know, again, that, that was the biggest thing, by the way, he was third line center. Mm -hmm. He was not third line left wing. Uh, he was third line center tonight. um, Carlson, I thought, generated a lot of good things early with that line. He was generating the offense. He was finding guys. He was getting Alex Tuck involved. Uh Eakin was getting involved a little bit. And he looked good. I mean for I mean, again, broken finger, it's not like he was you know, broken sternum or anything like that. So it's not like he had to, you know, fully ramp up the cardio, fully ramp up anything like that. But he did probably have to lay off the finger a little bit. But he looked fine. I think he looked good in his first game under DeBoer, and he was definitely the best player on the ice. What was telling to me is that where he was moved to in the second period with Vegas losing and DeBoer in need of a spark, what he switched the lines to. That was telling for me. And I said it a couple days ago. The best line I think you can muster going forward would be Pacioretty on the left, Carlson centering with Stone on the right. And that's exactly what we got tonight. He stuck, He kept Stasny on the first line, or technically the second line, with uh, Marsha Sullen smith And that, by moving Carlson up to the top, uh, Chandler Stevenson centered the third line with Will Carrier and Alex Tuck. And then finally, for I think the first time, and I think a lot of people have been clamoring for this, Cody Eakin was moved to the fourth line with Tomas Nosek and Ryan Reeves. Now, again, not really sure how that plays going forward once Cody Glass returns. I'm not... It's hard to think what what will come of this when Glass returns. But at least we've got a glimpse of what this team is going to look like going forward. And I think... Your best line right now is going to be Pacioretty, Carlson, and Stone. You know what? That's that's absolutely the line you got to roll with then. I thought they were the—obviously, they were the best line of the night. Uh, they had a Corsi of 88.89, which is ridiculous. They had eight chances, four, and only one against. This is how weird this game was, okay? Because you look at how these forward lines stacked up. And at five on five— they were spectacular. Vegas was really good at 5-on-5. Five five. The only problem was is that they gave up everything on special teams. I mean, even when Carlson was centering the third line, their Corsi was uh, 87.5. Um, I mean, you look at the other lines. Stasny, Stasny line had a 60. Uh, Eakin, Nosek-Reeves was 71.43. And, I mean, outside of Carrier, Nosek-Reeves, and then Carrier, Stevenson-Tuck, which was probably not the best third line you could throw out there, all in all, at five on five Vegas was fine. And especially knowing that, uh, Carlson stone and patch were getting those quality chances, especially in the second period, I would say that bodes very well for Vegas. If they want to roll with this going forward and, uh, more than likely we will find out on tomorrow or we will find out on Thursday if these lines are going to stay the same. um, not entirely sure if I will be at Golden Knights practice tomorrow. I might be at Blues practice if the whole bow Meester situation uh, is resolved from what I've seen. It looks like they're staying in Anaheim overnight. They might fly out to Vegas tomorrow. It all depends what that's going to do. So I may not be there tomorrow to see what is is actually going on um, regarding that. But to me, I think that's those at least that top six. That's what you got to roll with going forward. That top six of Carlson, Stone, Patcharetti, with Stasny, Marshal, and Smith. I think right now might be your best top six. And I and I think if we're going under the same uh, the same pretense that the board does not really care what the lines used to look like and what he's going what he needs going forward. I do like the idea of having your two selkie caliber guys being on the same line. Now, again, I thought that maybe if it was under Gallant, yeah, you might want to stick with what you had before, because I think you have one Selkie guy and another Selkie guy in your top six. I think that works out well. But at the same time, I think you need scoring and you need somebody, anybody to set the tone going forward. And if you, if that's the way to do it by getting 71 up there with those two guys, I think that's exactly what you got to do. So it'll be very interesting going forward, seeing what happens uh, with that line. Uh, And again, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens when Cody Glass returns. He's supposed to play for AHL Chicago this weekend. And then going forward, um, depending on how many games it'll take him, he might rejoin Vegas in the middle of that homestand, which does not sound like it's out of the realm of possibility. Um, My guess, if I had to put a guess on it, I would say Glass is back for the Tampa game. That would be my guess. I'm not going to sit here and confirm it. If they get him back for Washington, that's even more fantastic. Because um, they could definitely use him uh, in the playmaking abilities, absolutely. So it'd be very interesting to see how Vegas handled this, handles this going forward. And uh, again, might not be there tomorrow, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll definitely talk about it when the whole resolution is resolved here. But very good encouraging night for Carlson. But again, The fact that he might have been the best player on the ice, I'm kind of leaning toward agreeing with DeBoer. I don't think that him being your best player tonight is a good sign. But who knows? Maybe that's a wake-up call for anybody involved. I don't know. So before we take a look at the two important division games that happened tonight, a couple of notes that we need to pass along that are going to be very crucial in this stretch for everybody involved in the Pacific Division. Uh, Connor McDavid is out for two to three weeks with a lower body injury. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers captain will be missing some time and that could be very huge going forward. Uh, unless Edmonton plays teams like Chicago, like they did tonight and won, uh, we'll touch on that in a second. And second of all, uh, Darcy Kemper was supposed to play against Montreal the other night, got injured and did not play against Montreal. Fortunately they won Um, but Arizona did lose to Toronto tonight. I believe Aiden Hill was in goal for that game. So, and also Brock Besser. I can't, I almost forgot about Brock Besser. He is out indefinitely or not indefinitely. It might be a couple weeks or so. Um, the Canucks forward is also out. And then the flames also have been without Mark Giordano for a little bit. So everything is, it would seem to be falling in place for Vegas, knowing that these injuries are happening at key times, and Vegas is just now getting over the hump with injuries of their own. But as I mentioned before, the Oilers decided that without Connor McDavid, they were going to defeat the Chicago Blackhawks tonight, who are also fighting for a playoff spot as we speak. Now six points behind the Coyotes for the second wild card. But the Oilers defeated the Blackhawks five to three um because Leon Dreisaitl, even without Connor McDavid, is showing how valuable of a player he is. Four points tonight for Dreisaitl, uh, Nugent Hopkins with a goal and an assist, and Kyler Yamamoto with two goals of his own to pace the Oilers. So a huge win for Edmonton. As it stands right now, Edmonton is back in second place, sole possession of second place in the Pacific Division. The Golden Knights, due to their loss, fell below the flames, and trickle down to the first wild card in the uh, Western Conference. The reason why that is very significant now is because the Winnipeg Jets have 63 points and one more win can vault them over Arizona and Vegas, and the Minnesota Wild are now only four points back of a wild card spot. So, it again... This I know it's going to get nauseating to hear me talk about standings and whatnot for the next 24 games, but that is the reality that we are in right now. The Wild have two games in hand on Vegas. Vegas is still at 58 games played. They, uh, Edmonton still has two games in hand. Vancouver and Calgary still have a game in hand. So it's going to get very nauseating to hear me talk about standings for the next couple of weeks, but that's exactly where we are. And if Arizona had gotten the win, now Arizona almost, Arizona probably should have won tonight if not for a goalie interference call being taken back and Toronto eventually won. If that doesn't stand, Arizona's in the first wild card right now and Vegas is second. Vegas would have a game in hand, but still. Like this is how tight this race is in the Pacific Division. And it's certainly not over by a long shot. And you thought Vancouver was going to fall flat on their face the other night, and they go out and they got a huge victory the other night. Edmonton, same thing, again, without their captain, the best player in the world. He's out, and they somehow found a way to beat the Blackhawks. And again, the Blackhawks are not that far out from a wild card spot either. So this race right now... And, I mean, I don't even want to bring this up. The Ducks have 53 points. The Sharks have 52. It's not like they're out of it yet either. I mean, this is still a very weird situation for those guys to be in. They're out of it. I'm I'm just saying, for all sake, for for everybody involved, the Ducks and the Sharks are not quite out of it yet, but they are. Um, But a huge win for Edmondson, huge win for Arizona. And now... Vegas. Th- this is why this five game homestand is such an important stretch for Vegas because if Edmonton can reel off some wins without McDavid, if Vancouver can stay afloat, which they can, they have enough talent. But if they can, you know, get enough wins to to stay afloat without Besser, if the Flames can stay afloat without their uh, without uh, and Giordano, and then if the Coyotes can somehow put it together once Kemper comes back and if he stays healthy then every single game from this point out is going to be crucial for the Golden Knights if they want to make the playoffs. And that's why I'm going to, get, I'm going to lose my mind talking about the standings for as, for as long as we go. It's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be absolutely ridiculous. But these are the times we live in, and we just have to accept it. So right now as it stands, Vancouver, 67 points, still top the division. Edmonton with 66. Calgary, Vegas, Arizona, all was 64 God help us all, God help us all all right, guys. that is going to do it for me tonight uh, again you 're probably listening to this in the morning if you sure, if you are good on you uh we 'll probably do a afternoon evening podcast again tomorrow um, we'll we'll kind of figure out what we 're going to do there i i 'll figure it out at some point, um, but yeah, just stay tuned i 'm sure i 'll pa- pass along an update for what we 're doing. And, uh, yeah. So thank you for listening, downloading, sharing, subscribing, all that jazz to help support the podcast. It's always appreciated. Uh, if you are an Apple podcast, please feel free to leave a rating uh, review. It helps people find the podcast and lets me know how I'm doing. Again, I'm not, not the best uh, user of the words sometimes, but I like to like to ramble on here for 25, 30 minutes a day. If I can just to, just to give you the, give you the news, shoot you the breeze or something like that. My, my lame attempt and getting you all excited for what's going on here. So thank you guys for listening today. I'll be back tomorrow. Until then, I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I will see you tomorrow. Have a good one.